Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nickel. Thank you so much for dropping in on Series 7, Episode 61. This is a series where I am talking to Team Canada's Paralympians. They have some amazing stories to share with us, and here is one more. I want to introduce you to Episode 61's guest that we will be dropping in with today. Our guest realized in his early teen years that if he was going to compete at high level in sport, it was going to have to be in para-sport. This realization blossomed to a dream of competing at the Paralympics. Born with spina bifida, as he grew up, his legs weakened and he was no longer able to alpine or Nordic ski standing up. Getting involved in the Whistler Adaptive Sports Program at the Whistler Olympic Park, he found a sport that turned into a passion. He's been racing for the past nine years in the sport of para-Nordic skiing. He's a bronze medalist, having represented BC at the 2015 Winter Games in Canada. He made his dream come true of competing at the 2018 Paralympic Winter Games as a teenager. And he didn't stop there. He raced at the 2019 World Championships and got to race in his second Paralympics at the 2022 Beijing Games. On top of all that, he is also an avid paddler. He and his father took part in the world's longest canoe race, three days long, 715 kilometers long in the Yukon. This sun medalist skier, the canoeer, two-time Paralympian, is training hard. Let me introduce Ethan Hess. Ethan, how Hello. are you today? I'm very good. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit tired. We're I think ten days into a into a, a training camp here in Bend, Oregon. Yeah. So um, today was our, our first day off, which was definitely needed after ten pretty pretty heavy days of training. Oh but uh, yeah, doing very very well. Awesome. It's so good to see you. And now I haven't, for the listeners, I saw you when I was training in the gym and you were always training so hard. And then I just saw some of your training in Bend, Oregon, where you were like lifting 75 pounds in each hand. I was very (laughs) impressed. Always impressed. Now I didn't mention you are from Pemberton, just up the road from me. You grew up there. Um, But right now you're in Bend, Oregon. So thanks for sharing that. Are you ready to drop in with the rapid fire that is never rapid. Super ready. Very excited. <laughs> okay. Number one, do you have a lucky charm? Um, not particularly. I've never been a, a very like item attached person. Okay. Um, so, so n- not, not necessarily. Um, yeah, like I, I have, I have things, I guess that like items that, come from events that I've done that I'm, I'm proud of, but yeah. I've never really attached myself to something to, to give my, my luck to. No lucky socks. No, no, no <laughs> lucky socks. I had some lucky socks for a while there. It's not the best thing to do. What, whatever makes you perform the best, right? <laughs> exactly. Everyone's Everyone has their own thing. Totally, totally. It's all mental, I think. Yeah, for um, sure. Okay. Number two, what's the favorite place that you've traveled to that Nordic skiing has taken you to? And then also just for pleasure, where's the best place you've been? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, uh, New Zealand, it was, uh, th that's where I, I've only gone there once before in the lead up to, uh, to the 2018 games. Okay. Um, hopefully I'll get to go there again in a, in a month for uh for a training camp since it's the the seasons are reversed there's snow there so we'll do yeah. we'll do three weeks of training in in uh, a town called Wanaka oh you go to um, Wanaka I love Wanaka yeah, yeah Wanaka is an amazing place isn't it it's it reminds so me so special. much of Pemberton and Whistler yes a small yeah. town but like yeah everyone's there for the same reasons it's beautiful yeah nice. yeah it's an amazing place okay and then for pleasure just like maybe not skiing is there anywhere else that you love have fallen in love with um it's really just hard to beat bc <laughs> like answer. it's so hard to beat bc like beautiful like, british columbia yeah yeah pick pick any um uh, any of the amazing lakes i've gotten to paddle or camp campsites i've gone to like logging roads around whistler or pemberton that have beautiful viewpoints like yeah especially now that I'll be getting back in the groove of traveling so much. I think mm -hmm. I'm just going to be super excited to just go home and hang out with my friends and go find somewhere cool to camp around home. Cause it's just such an amazing place. I feel like you're really good at finding little nooks and crannies um, yeah. when you go out. That's awesome. So nice to yeah. hear. So this question might be an obvious one for the listeners and the viewers. Now, number three, big city or small town. Small town, obviously. <laughs> do you feel like, because you're in Bend, Oregon right now, do you feel like you're in like kind of a bigger city, even though it is a small town? Well, it's actually, it's gotten really big. It's like 100,000 plus people. But it has this small town feel to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is really interesting. Like I've been exploring like on the, most of the workouts we do with the team. But yeah. then in the afternoon, sometimes there'll be like a recovery workout that you go off and, and do on your own. Okay. And I've gone off and on the trails on my mountain board, which is like a big skateboard that we mount our, our sit skis on top of and train on the roads. Awesome. Um, and you can take it on dirt trails and I'll just be going around and I'll, I'll like ask people like where the different trails go and they're all so friendly. So mm -hmm. it's giving a very small town vibe here. It's, it's really cool. That's awesome. That's a special place for me too. I would always um, drive down from Whistler to uh, Mammoth Lakes, California, mm -hmm. and Bend, Oregon would be where I would break up the drive and I have lots of friends there. So shout out to everyone in Bend. <laughs> Super cool that you mentioned Mammoth. That's actually another training camp site that we do. Because of September. the high elevation. Exactly. Yeah. I've yeah. never personally been there, but hopefully, hopefully I'll go this season. I think you'll like it there too. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard amazing things. Okay. Number four, we're out of the gym. Now, mm -hmm. would you, you, I feel like this, this answer, um, but I just, rem I honestly remember you just working out so hard when you're in the gym. Um, yeah. I'm scared. On that, yeah, the ski elliptical yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, would you have music blaring in your ears or would you just be listening to your own breath? Um, on, I'm, I'm actually, I'm a big podcast person, funnily enough. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah, especially for long, slow workouts. Yeah. Um, cause that's a lot of what we do, um, is just long, slow training. Um, especially on the erg because it's so boring because you're just staring at the wall. Right. <laughs> so, um, and then if I'm in the gym, 
like doing weights. I, I don't really listen to anything. And if I'm yeah. out exploring, I don't listen to anything because I like to hear the sounds of nature and, and mm-hmm. focus really on my technique. Like yeah. I find I get a bit distracted if I'm trying to ingest information at the same time as well. But with the erg, I just couldn't, I couldn't cut silence for a couple and hours. And is that when the you're machine at the wall. where yeah. you're just like pulling yeah. and with your arms, you're just kind of, yeah. what, how would you explain that to people? Um, well, uh, I think like concept two also makes a rowing machine. Those are a lot more common. Yeah. So it's kind of like a rowing machine, but for skiing. So you have two pulleys. Right. With a, with a ski with a handle with like a ski grip and you just pull down. It's it's very ski like tricep workout nonstop. Tricep and and back. It's like back. for for yeah for skiing the the main muscles we use for double pull are lats yeah. and and back and and shoulder and, and tricep. Um, okay. but the main drivers are going to be the back muscles. Yeah. Um. How long so, yeah, would that's... you spend on that thing? Because honestly, when I would look up and you were just still going and I was like the poor guy he's going forever I think back then I was spending like between 15 and 20 hours a week on on it yeah it was pretty brutal like uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that and it and I wouldn't do that again and frankly it wasn't the best training like like the the mountain board where we're pushing on the roads is is significantly better just there's something about the pulleys attaching above you yeah that doesn't give the exact same motion okay and and just the transfer of power is not the same because you're not Mm -hmm. pushing into the ground like um so i i have one of those at my house in pemberton and i use it if my mountain board is broken or okay or if the real conditions aren't safe but yeah, the real thing or the real thing on the road, which is as close as you're going to get if you're not on snow, is definitely a lot better. But awesome. um, And it's just it's a lot less boring. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, number five, What do you have a favorite race that you've been in so far? I mean, you have gone to two Paralympics, but I know there are a lot of races in between. Is there anything that stands out or is it like Paralympics all the way? Um, The – the 10k and the sprint race at the Canmore World Cup which was the the most recent Canmore World Cup in uh 2021 uh uh late November into early December mm-hmm. um which was also the Paralympic qualifier for yeah. um for 2022 is definitely I'd say like the highlight of my career I think I had the best races there that I've ever had Okay. And and the pressure was really really high because I think we had Qualified. three less spots this oh games God. compared to last games. Oh. So even though I'm a much much better skier, yeah. this like four years later than I was four years ago, mm-hmm. um, I, I, when I was getting ready for 2018, mm-hmm. the the guys I had to beat to go were a completely different level. Like like the the guy I had to beat to go he was a three-time Paralympian and he crushed me at the last games and was, was a lot better than me. So I had to make up a lot of time in like over those four years. Um, And I thought, and also I thought there was going to be more spots. We were kind of blindsided by the amount of spots there was. So it's never easy. It's (laughs) yeah. And people like, I'm so glad we're sharing this because a lot of people don't understand the pressure that is before 
the para mm -hmm. games or the olympics mm -hmm. and how hard it is to qualify so i do appreciate mm -hmm. that yeah, especially I, i'm on the bubble a little bit like I, i'm not i'm not the top of the the heap of the national team even even close to that yet so yeah it was um it was a it was the most pressure i've felt in my career because it was like especially because the 5k before yeah. the 10k in the sprint i hadn't had a good race and he'd beaten me by like 25 seconds or something okay so it was like i had to have a much better race to even go to the games oh my and when gosh. you go to the games four years earlier you're just like if i don't go to the next ones it's going to be a massive disappointment oh, right? so heartbreak yeah heartbreak yeah Loss. it was a lot of pressure i feel <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just talking about it. Yeah. Okay, so Canmore 2021 highlight reel for sure. Um, number six, if you had to choose, would you choose canoeing or skiing? For uh, for com competing, I, yeah. I'd say skiing. Like like I'm way more involved in in competing in in skiing than yeah. I am in in canoeing. Um, for for like pleasure and enjoyment a canoe trip is so incredible because you can just put all your stuff in the canoe and you can just go and and the amount the amount of time you can spend out in nature because you have this vehicle to hold all your stuff yeah. and is is a is an amazing feeling um but um luckily one's in the summer and one's <laughs> in the winter so i don't like I'm way more focused on skiing. I ski, like I'm not, I don't canoe that much um, okay. because I'm training so much for skiing. Um, but uh, the, the good thing is the type of canoe races I like to do, which are really, really long. You can be good <laughs> into your forties, fifties okay. even. That's so, so that'll be, that'll be, a, yeah, I'll focus on, on those ultra endurance canoe races after I'm, after I'm done skiing is what I, <laughs> what I feel like how my, my sporting career will go. I love it. I love it that you love this, like going forever. Cause I was just saying today that my sport took like 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, it's a completely different mindset, but I'm not willing to risk the things you guys are willing to risk. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's always different. I love yeah. it. It's so good. Yeah. Okay. Um, number seven, what would you say is the top place in Canada that you trained at or mm, trained at? Yeah. In Canada, all of Canada. Um, Canmore has some incredible ski trails. Yeah, which, that's why it's the heart of cross country skiing. Yeah, um, I've heard such good things there. But actually, Prince George has amazing, oh. especially ski sit ski specific, because okay. we need less hills, less technical stuff. Um, some George. amazing trails, um, and then Lost Lake and Whistler is great. Like I spent a lot of time there. Um, not this past backyard. season, but the season before. There's a lot of good skiing in Canada. Yeah, but yeah, it's hard to pick. I love that you said Lost Lake. I literally like live right there. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing place. Isn't it? It's <laughs> so beautiful. I cannot complain. Um, okay, so you have been on Whistler and Blackcomb, right? Yeah, yeah. I was mainly a Blackcomb guy because my dad patrolled for Blackcomb. So, oh my gosh, did he? Yeah, yeah. Okay, my mom was dispatched for Whistler. Oh, really? Super cool. So they really yeah. know each other. Okay, yeah. so you're a Blackcomb kid. Yeah, me, yeah, kid. definitely. Yeah. Rivals, but not really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was number eight. I always love to ask that question for Whistler, like area locals. Cause yeah, because everyone's got a mountain. Everyone does have a mountain. So yeah. funny. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, number nine, 
how did the pandemic change your training? It, it, the pandemic came at a really interesting time for me because I'd actually taken the season off before for some, some health issues and some mental health stuff. Like I just, I needed to take a step back for a number of reasons. Um, and then the pandemic hit as I was kind of moving back into training. Um, and it gave me a really cool opportunity where there wasn't, there was almost nothing else to do. <laughs> right. So I trained a lot more in that pandemic year, almost double than I, than I'd ever trained an entire year before. So, um, the pandemic was an amazing opportunity for me to just put in a lot of work when there was no distractions. You couldn't really see your friends. You couldn't do anything besides go, go out into nature, which I felt so lucky as an endurance athlete that, um, like you could still go into nature. Cause I know I, I really felt for a lot of the other athletes who weren't able to go to the gym, they weren't able to go to the ice rink. They weren't able to do their team sports. So uh, it was a real, a real blessing in, in a way for, for, mm-hmm. for my training and, and to be an endurance athlete, I, I felt incredibly lucky. Awesome. That's actually so good to hear. Cause I think again, for so many other athletes, it, it, it went in different directions for people. So I'm glad that uh, you were able to make it work for you. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Okay. Last rapid fire. That's never rapid. Uh, if you number 10, if you weren't skiing, what would you be doing? Uh, I guess canoeing. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Do you have any other hobbies, passions? Um, I'm really interested in, in history. Um, so if I, if I had gone down a conventional route of going to school, cause I haven't gone to, gone mm-hmm. to post-secondary as of yet, um, maybe go and, and be a history professor or something like that. I'm also mm-hmm. interested in, in being a personal trainer. So I, I plan to do that alongside my skiing. Um, so if you're looking for training in the future, I'm going to be a personal trainer. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Shout out. I will not be lifting 75 pounds in each arm. I can tell you that much. I don't think so. I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Let's thank you so much for doing the rapid fire. That's never rapid. Yeah, no problem. Everyone got fun. to know you a little bit more. Um, let's talk about your kind of journey into not being able to ski standing up anymore and that transition mm-hmm. into para. And then we'll talk about the Paralympics as well. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I, I was skiing from a very young age. I, I learned to walk around the age of two being born with a disability. Definitely. It took me some, a longer time, but then it was really interesting because the, the thing I would wear to help walk or they're called AFOs and they kind of, they go up to your, to just below your knee. Okay. Well, and, and they help, they give you support to help you walk. Well, what's that kind of like? It's kind of like a ski boot. Yeah. Right. So, and, and my dad was a patroller and, and all my friends were skiing. It's a very normal thing to just start skiing as soon as you really can in, in Pemberton and Whistler. Right. So, um, yeah, I started skiing at a young age and, and, um, and then I, I skied downhill standing up through the Whistler adaptive sports program and, and skied a lot with my dad and my mom. I was, I was homeschooled to the age of 13. So if, okay. um, if the skiing was good, the, the lesson was go out and enjoy nature and go skiing. Right. So, I love it. um, but then around the age of 13, as, as I started to get heavier, mm-hmm. that was a big thing. The pressure on my back became a lot more. And then also your friends start to get a lot 
better. By the, by the age of 13 in Pemberton and Whistle, the things your friends are skiing is just insane, right? Yeah. So it starts to get... Side note for people that don't live here, it's it's a Mecca. And if you yeah. think you're a really good skier, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Because there's yeah. like a million Paralympians and a million Olympians that are all here and everyone's trying to best each other. So Yeah. Yeah. The, there's a million guys who never make it to that level who would be the best skier in a town in Ontario. It's exactly. Like exactly. the, the level here is just like you'll be on a chairlift and you look down and there's a seven-year-old skiing just oh yeah the craziest thing you've ever seen it's <laughs> it's an amazing place to live yeah um, so your friends were getting that going yeah and then so then it becomes kind of tough right because you can't go out and ski with your friends mm-hmm. the pain of standing and became more um extreme as, as I gained, gained weight. And is this your, is, is, is it in your lower back your upper back or your mid back? Yeah, it's, it's in my low back. I, I forget okay. what the L I think That's it's okay. L4, L5 maybe. Okay. Um, but the vertebrae are damaged essentially. Yeah, um, okay. so, so, and the vertebrae, they help hold you up so it, as, as well as protecting the nerves. Right. So mm-hmm. there's, um, yeah, the, the, the pain started to get worse. Um, and then I had a surgery. Okay. Um, and that put me out for like six weeks in grade eight. And for me, I needed to ski a lot to, to maintain my level, right? So, yeah. and then also gra- uh, moving from being homeschooled in, in grade seven to, to going to high school in grade eight. Um, a lot of life changes. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a, there was a variety of things that kind of shifted me to, to not, um, stand up skiing anymore. Yeah. And so then you, you said that you did do stand up ski with Whistler Adaptive. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. They, they, you did you, um, sorry, did you transfer into the sit ski in that program as well? I, I did. I, I didn't ever really take it like super seriously like because mm-hmm. at that same time as I started to transfer to a sit ski um I also started to take cross country I was it was around the same time as I was starting to ski cross country okay. and I had this feeling of downhill is fun and it should yeah. always be fun yeah I don't want to go and do downhill when I don't want to do downhill okay but that doesn't but that's not how it works when you want to be really, really good. You have to go <laughs> ski in the rain when yeah. you want to be a really good skier. <laughs> 100%. And Nordic just kind of sucks to begin with. Like, it's fun and I love it. I love being out in nature, but it's hard. And, it like, is. it's very physically, it's not like, it's not fun it's the same demanding. way downhill's fun. It's like, so demanding. Yeah. Downhill's hard and downhill's incredibly risky. Um, so I have a ton of respect for for really really good downhill skiers. They ski in a in a way that not only I never could, but I'd never be willing to. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, um, so I just had this, and and I just I loved how hard how the the sh- physical shape you had to be in. Um, you like you like the challenge of that. yeah yeah. I, I find I just found you're a it different fun. breed, my friend. Yeah, so and I respect that. I love it. I just yeah, because I like seeing that dedication in your face, and like I think everyone sees it when you race and when Mm -hmm. you train. And so it's 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 
oozes out passion to other people like my friend you're doing amazing things it's yeah so thank cool. you so much <laughs> um okay let's let's so you transitioned into sit sit uh nordic skiing and how like how did that roll out for you did you just end up doing kind of like local races here or where did that take you yeah, so so the first time I tried was through Skiing is Believing, a, a program through Whistler Adaptive Sports Program, which is an amazing program. If yeah, yeah if you're around the Whistler Pemberton area, absolutely get involved with them and and yeah, support them there. They do amazing things. Nice. And if you have you have a child with a disability or you have a disability, reach out to them. They just do. They do amazing stuff. Cool. Um so yeah, I started skiing and and with at that program, I, it was a one-day thing, so I tried it out, and we did a, a mock race at the end, okay. and I think only one guy beat me, and he was in his 30s, and I was like 13, so <laughs> nice. off the bat, I was like, oh, I think I think maybe I could be pretty good at this, I guess, yes. um, so, th- and I was competitive, right? You lose, when you're, when you're disabled, and you run around with your friends, you lose a lot of running races, for a lot of years. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so it definitely lights you you want to win because you don't get to win that much. <laughs> okay. Cool, cool, um, cool. So then I started racing with with Team BC at and my first competitions were yeah, around around BC at like there would be para paranordic categories at mm-hmm. at um at like just a normal cross country race. Yeah. Um and then BC Games is kind of the first level and then and then canada games uh was like the first main thing to train for um but from the beginning they talked about 2018 being a goal so i was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna try and shoot for 2018 and then that kind of became my my goal at at 13 14 (laughs) as like no normal other kid would be yeah uh, my first Olympics, I was 22. So you crushed it, my friend. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a bit, how, hair is a bit different. How how was the experience for you going to the Para Games? I know I do want to compare, obviously, the 2018 games to the 2022. Mm-hmm. Very, very different games, yeah. obviously, due to the pandemic. But but um, looking back at the 2018 games, um was that an amazing experience for you or were you like, gosh, I wish I did more or why didn't I do this? Or I freaking loved it. How was definitely, it? Definitely, definitely a mixed bag of both. <laughs> it was, it was from a competitive standpoint, it was disappointing. I, I didn't perform on the level that I had the year before, mm-hmm. um, which when you're 17, 18, you just expect to just get better because you're just going to physically mature and ski more but yeah. I I transitioned out of high school and I and I lived away from home so and and I didn't have a coach like close to me in Whistler my coach was in North Van um and I didn't have my parents living with me to support me and I, I failed to get my driver's license uh I I was kind of resistant to do that so that I didn't train enough I I spent too much time on the ERG and not enough time really skiing or, or mountain boarding. Um, okay. So you learned from that. Yeah. What um, you needed to take. Yeah. But on the other hand, my team had a record breaking games. I think we won <laughs> something ridiculous, like 16 medals or something. It was, it was 
an amazing team performance. So to be there and see see my teammates winning winning medals, winning gold medals day after day was an amazing experience and being surrounded by that energy um, and not just not just the North Paranordic team, but the Alpine team had a great games. Mm-hmm. Um, sledge hockey team uh, won won silver, which I know they weren't particularly <laughs> stoked for that, but they they had a great games too. And and I actually I got to go watch a sledge hockey game, and ah, which was amazing. Guys. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was it was an amazing experience, and it definitely motivated me. For the, for the future, but from a, my own competitive standpoint, it was definitely a disappointment, which is weird because mm-hmm. people are so stoked for you because you went to the games, uh-huh. but if they're not like, if they're not close to you, they don't. like, and you're talking to them about your career and stuff, they don't fully get like that you can go to the games and have a disappointing year. Totally. People, right? that, oh my gosh. I, people are like, oh, how did you do at the games? I'm like, oh, I got six that one of them because I actually don't know how I did at the other ones and I don't care because it wasn't good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's, it is a, it is, I call it like this roller coaster for sure. Sixth is amazing. That's an, that's an incredible <laughs> Thank achievement. You. Thank you. But the other ones I don't know. So it's yeah. kind of funny. Oh yeah. man. Awesome. Um, What can you just quickly explain? Um, in para Nordic, there is, uh, there are different categories of racing. Mm-hmm. Right? Do you want to just briefly let the listeners and viewers know what those are? Yeah, for sure. So in para Nordic, there's that, there's like categories within categories because, yeah. because it, it re the, so there's like three different main categories, yeah. um, with, uh, male and female in, in both of those categories, mm-hmm. um, sitting so that's the category that i race in so it's sit skiing um and then there's standing so people who are missing an arm or a hand or fingers or some people some people who are lower lower amputees like missing a part of their leg they some of them choose to do sit ski and some of them choose to do standing it depends on their background and the level of amputation and just personal preference yeah. Um, and then visually impaired. And then within those categories, of course, there's people with disabilities who are more or less disabled than someone else. Like me mm-hmm. personally, I'm still able to walk a little bit yeah. um, and I have my full core. So I race at 100 percent, which means my time is my time. But okay. then that's not really fair to if someone else is paralyzed from the chest down the the amount of muscle like or yeah just below the chest down the amount of muscle mm-hmm. that they have to call on is completely different than compared to me yeah so then uh my category is called l or classification is what it's called is lw12 um and there's 11.5 11 10.5 and 10 okay um, and so then their times just um, de- like get taken off a little bit. More yeah. Yeah. They all get a percentage taken okay. off. So it's so LW- complicated and complex, but it's like yeah. so good to know because I don't mm-hmm. think everyone knows that because I mean, I, I knew, I knew that, but I don't mm-hmm. get into the deep, deep um, categories within the categories of the categories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Thanks so much yeah. for sharing. I appreciate it. Yeah, no that. problem. I think it's really good to educate people on how para sport works. And then it's 
easier to enjoy it when you understand it, right? So yeah, totally. I think, so when we're when we're watching you, we're like, that time is his time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Luckily, what they do is they have the factor like as you go through the different checkpoints and they 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 explain who's in first place or second place, they yeah. factor it for you so you don't have to do like the math in your own head. Yeah, um that's so awesome. But uh yeah, yeah, it's it's good good to help people have an understanding of how parasport works because it's a little bit different. Totally. I do want to touch on um, your nutrition and how into meditation you are and cold, mm -hmm. ther cold therapy recovery because I had my first um, cold tub at the, I think it was the 2010 games, I want to say. Mm -hmm. And I was like in so much pain and they're like, you got to do this. And I was like, that sounds like awful. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I don't love it. I don't love it, but I feel like you love it. Um. Yeah, I, I've loved swimming in cold water since I was a kid. Like, oh. my, my dad was really big into it, so that kind of led me being super into it. Um, and just, like, we'd go to Alpine Lakes, and the lakes are pretty cold in Pemberton and Whistler anyways, so. Oh, pretty cold. They're glacier-freezing. Yeah, yeah. There's, like, yeah. glacier chunks in a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've kind of always just enjoyed the feeling. Okay. Um and do you find that, uh, I mean, I found that it helped with my recovery for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I do find it, it can help, it can help with your recovery, but they're like, there's, it's, it's interesting because I, I've read some studies, uh, particularly mm -hmm. one they did with road cyclists where they had, where they had them ice one of their legs and then not ice the other leg. And then they trained for like six weeks okay. and then they compared, um, the strength gain and endurance gain in each leg and the leg that wasn't iced actually gained more strength. Oh, to come on. Yeah. And, and the reason I think this is happening is because you're blunting the signal to your body to get better by icing it. Okay. Interesting. So in training, I, I try not to do ice right after. Um, okay. I'm, I'm actually a big fan of contrast. So I go back and forth between mm -hmm. hot and cold because mm -hmm. I, I believe that there's a dilation and a constriction in the cells, which cycle, which cycles nutrients and blood out. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think this, this gives a recovery factor, but the signal isn't being disrupted in the same way. Um, but then if I'm at a competition, yeah. um, then uh th then i'll do the, the cold or even leading into the competition um shivering uh, demands a lot of calories yeah. so if i need to get a little bit leaner um going into to race season yeah i'll like i'll do a really cold bath um oh. to shiver to try and to bur like burn some more calories if i can't train a bunch because we're tapering yeah um and i'd rather do an ice bath and then get to eat more chocolate than not eat the <laughs> chocolate and not do the ice bath so i love it um yeah and i, I enjoy the feeling and, and the things it does to your mind i think is the the biggest factor yeah is, is it kind more, of like a meditation for you as well like how long would you stay in um the longest ones i've done are like between like 10 and the longest one i've ever done is probably like 25 minutes but that, that oh was my. just a that's just to push myself mentally. There was no other reason to do that other than I wanted to see if I could. 
you're just numb. You like you whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um good for you. But Amazing. Normal is like ten to ten minutes. Still around. sounds awful. Awful. <laughs> Props to you. Oh my gosh. So you are training in Bend, Oregon right now. What is next on the roster for you? Um uh so then then I think we, we have we have an intensity coming up, so a, a hard interval workout. Um and then uh we're gonna climb Mount Bachelor one more time, I believe. Okay. Um so we roller ski up the road, which is amazing. Uh, as a para athlete, there's not as many opportunities to go up mountains. Okay. So a paved road to the top of a mountain is is a really cool experience. So we'll go to the top and then we'll do laps for for some elevation training. Um Oh, and I, and I wanted to touch on the, the meditation as well. Yeah. Um, um, there's a, there's a method called the Wim Hof method, which is. Oh, that's the, the, the bath, the cold water. Yeah. It's the cold bath combined yeah. with, with a meditation breathing. And, yeah. and I, that was kind of where I started to, to experiment with these breathing techniques. Um, okay. but then my dad is actually a shamanic yoga teacher. Oh, um, cool. What so, hasn't your dad done? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and my mom's a yoga teacher too. Well, and, and has been in the past. So they're all about I started to get really like interested that. in in yoga and excuse me. Um, but are they like more so yoga with the breath work as well? Because I feel like that's really authentic. My, my mom was more movement. Okay. Um and breath. Yeah. Um, like she was, she was talking to me about this breathing stuff actually years ago. And then I didn't start to get interested in it until later. It of course she's like, yeah, of course you don't get interested in it until your, your dad starts doing it, which is <laughs> ridiculous. I should have listened to her, listened to her earlier in life. We, I think we always say that though. Yeah. Back. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. And like you said, it's more authentic because it's really interesting what happened with yoga when it came to the West the the breathing was a little too spiritual, a little a little con like conflicted with like religion too much mm. when yoga was first trying to make its footprint. So what they did is they just made it kind of like stretching and a workout, right? <laughs> totally. Is to try and sell it to to the West. Yeah. But yoga was always about breathing mm -hmm. and always about meditation. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's. Like, like, of course, it was about movement, too. Like, that's a different, I think it's called asana is the, is the movement piece. But, but the main piece was always about breathing. Yeah. Um, so, and, yeah, it's just, it's incredibly interesting, the, the so, impact it can have on your, on your mind. Yeah, your, your psychology is, the, the way it can change and is is very very interesting it can help you get into flow state when you're skiing because you can get used to being there from the breathing mm -hmm. so yeah and is that the breathing that you would use in the 25 minutes that you were in the cold tub <laughs> um i wouldn't I, I like there's actually a risk of passing out when you do too much of the, the the meditation so they tell you not to do it when you're in the cold water you do it before okay. and it kind of primes your mind to handle the the cold water and then I might do it after again okay. um like so I, cool. I try and take deep controlled solid breaths but there's a bunch of different kinds of yoga breathing you can do um I would uh, do I would do like the the 
um, yeah, I, back and th- forth. That's, that's actually part of my pre-race routine. And that has I been like that. my mom taught me that when I was like 15 years old. And yeah. I, I, you can see me doing it in the start. Like if, if the camera's ever on me in the starting yeah. lineup. Where like you just w- as the for person, the listeners, you cover one nostril, breathe yeah. in, and then and then cover the other nostril. Yeah, um, I agree. That it's just so um, grounding, I think, mm-hmm. and calming if you're like getting nervous or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll I think it's called Dragon out. Breath. I can't remember or something. Breath Maybe. of Fire. I can't remember mm-hmm. what that one's called, but it's yeah, it's part of my pre-race routine. I'm I'm a big awesome. big fan of that one. It's fun so. that you you do that as well. <laughs> I don't have to do it anymore. Well, maybe if yeah. I'm like freaking out, but yeah, I was yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I was super into that for sure. Yeah, um, super cool. Ethan, thank you so much. Is there anything else we didn't really touch on uh, the 2022 games? We didn't. I, I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, obviously, the pandemic was just a game changer. And it mm-hmm. was lucky that you guys even got to go. Yep. Um, was there any like fear in your in your head going to those games? Yeah, the, the biggest factor was like a, about the pandemic wasn't when you're actually there. Because once you're there, I felt like we made it. Yeah. Everyone got tested a bunch coming in. Yeah. We're going to be fine now. Like, like, yeah, I, I had a high level of confidence that once we were there, it was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was definitely getting on that plane, a big sigh of relief. And then getting to the village, another huge sigh of relief. Yeah. But yeah, the months leading into it, you're not really seeing your friends inside at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you're really, you're cutting down the amount of people you're seeing a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's kind of, that's hard, obviously. Um, sure. And then, yeah, just the stress of like, if you go and get groceries, then you're just like stressed out for like a week. Yeah, of, am else. I going to get it? Because not only would you not be able to go, but how is it going to impact your training if you do get it in say January and then our games are in March. So you could recover, you could recover and you could go and test yeah. negative enough times. But um, yeah, it was uh, definitely it added. Body. It, it made the stress, like it, it upped the stress levels a lot. For, for sure. sure. Um, did you get to walk in, I'm sorry, walk or, or wheel into the um, uh, opening ceremonies and closing ceremonies? Were you there I, for those? I, I didn't for either. We, we were really far away in 2022. Okay. Um, so I didn't get to go to either. In 2018, I went to just the closing. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's kind of this culture in Nordic of, like, our, we race usually the next day or the day after. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, you wouldn't go. Yeah, there's this the, – and I'm sure there is for, for other sports, but Nordic, I really, like – yeah, I feel like just that every every moment of sleep, every moment of relaxation you can get is going to give you more gas to push in the race. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you probably won't see me in the in the opening ceremonies. Yeah, that's totally understandable. And I think a lot time. of people a lot of people don't know that. Um, I literally mm-hmm. was talking to someone today. They're like, "Oh, I just thought everyone walked in the all the athletes walked in the opening ceremonies." I was like, "No, because mm-hmm. it can be detrimental to your race or your competition." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. I do appreciate that so much. Where can people find you online if they want to check out what you're doing? Um, I'm mainly active on uh, Instagram, so Hess underscore Ethan. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where I post post all my stuff. I I am planning on uh, having a website built that will probably include a blog, but it'll be mainly around uh, 
uh, personal training once I get that and get a kind of a online business up and running. That that's kind of my plan is to do online coaching while I'm so I can travel and wow. and coach. Um, particularly for people with disabilities, um, I'm I'm really really I really want to give back to the community, and I know there's like there's a lot of health problems in in the disability community it's it's hard to move for a lot of us just because we're in pain yeah so i'm super passionate about about helping fitness in the in the uh disability community um so yeah look for that uh, i'll be posting updates on my on my instagram about that so hess underscore ethan is is where all the main stuff will be awesome ethan thank you so much for dropping in today i yeah. learned so much more and I hope you make it to New Zealand again and all the places that you love and wish you the best of luck in training. Thank you so much. Yeah, super. This is my first podcast appearance ever. So I'm I'm super happy to be here. And um, yeah, thank you so much. All right, everyone go follow Ethan and we will chat soon. Bye. Thanks so much for dropping in today. You can find everything you want to know about dropping in with Mercedes at droppinginwithmercedes.com. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Thanks DJ Kenosis for the music and my mom for the intro voice. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca.